Hey folks, just dropping in here before the episode starts, we have a brand new Twitter account. You can go follow it at ChattyBangPod. That's where we're going to be posting new episodes and posting clips and teasers and also really horrible memes and photoshops. Make sure to go follow that. This is a really chill episode. I really enjoy it. I'm in a different filming location, so my mic might sound a little bit different. Uh, and if you want to watch Lock, you can actually see it on Amazon Prime, which is now popped on now there. So if you have Prime, you can see it for free right now. And you might understand the episode a little better. Go follow that Twitter at ChattyBangPod and say hello. Play the theme tune. You're listening to Chatty Chatty Bang Bang. It's a podcast about calm movies. You're listening to Chatty Chatty Bang Bang. It's a podcast about calm movies. <sighs> Welcome to. Chatty Chatty Bang Bang, a podcast about car movies. Today, the the long-awaited Tom Hardy car epic is upon us. We teased it in the last episode, but now it's finally here. It's got a huge cast. You know, Tom Hardy, Olivia Coleman, Tom Holland, yeah. Andrew Scott, all the big names in Hollywood are in this big bad boy. <sighs> We're of course talking about Locke. A film that I think Dusty had seen, and yeah, no one I saw else it, had like... seen. <laughs> no, I like other. I've talked has, to other people uh, about true, this it movie. Has promo, yeah, but like, yeah, I haven't really like seen anyone talk about this movie since I watched it. You know, it's always been one I've like recommended to people. Be like, hey, here's something different, and it's like yeah. directed by someone who I'm a fan of. Is not one of his more recent films, Serenity, 2019. Mm-hmm. Which Indeed. is amazing, and everyone should watch it. It's a great it fishing is. movie. Yeah, <laughs> I love it when McConaughey goes out and fishes. Don't you? I love it. The fish is called justice. You, you got to get that tuna. You got to get that tuna. And you know what else has good tuna? The chopping the Fast and the Furious. It all goes full circle. Oh yeah, it's all full circle. It's all linked. Like the the cars open the same weekend as Tokyo Drift. Last in the last episode we, we we had, it's all all these episodes are part of like an audio podcast universe that we've been creating since twenty thirteen. This actually all exists inside Ryan Gosling's character's mind in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It's all interlinked, cells within cells, you know. Yeah, but we just like plaid it there. It's not actually real. I yeah. I, th- I think we'll acknowledge that the, a lot of people listening to this will not have seen Locke, so I guess what we can do is talk a little bit about the concept of the movie and maybe a bit about Stephen Knight, the director of Serenity and other things. Maybe a little bit about Tom Hardy's career as well, because he's had some times. Oh, yeah. Uh, because we, we, we're making the joke about this linked to Mad Max Fury Road, which is also about Tom Hardy in a vehicle for the entire movie, just going to mm-hmm. a place and shenanigans happens but there's probably more i'd say a few percentage more shenanigans in free road than here mm, there's there's quite a lot of shenanigans in here but like not definitely not as much as fury road true i looked there's like i looked it up and this movie some has, action. Has, has exactly 36 phone calls oh that's it's quite a lot of phone calls to make in an hour and a half yeah, it's 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 this movie is uh, starring Tom Hardy as the lead. He's the only he's the only human character in the film. 
you can see on screen. Uh, he's yeah. in the car the entire movie, and he is just him periodically taking phone calls and talking to people, uh, going to a hospital, which is a fun, funky movie. I was like, I was like, I, I had no idea what this movie was about at all. Like, I was quite glad that I didn't. I just saw Tom Hardy and I saw like gripping thriller and I was that's all that that's the max that I knew. So I was quite happy to go into it quite blind. That's how I went into it the first time as well, and I think that's like the best way to go into it. So like mm-hmm. if anyone's intrigued by what we've said so far, go away and watch it and then come back to the podcast. But yeah, if not, like you, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. It's a, I think it's a good movie. Um it's, mm-hmm. it's easy to rent. It's to rent for a cheap price anywhere, or you can probably just stream it somewhere who knows but i, I would mm-hmm. recommend it but th- th- this is like a really solid script that 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 stephen knight wrote apparently in about like, like over like period of like what like five days something like that it was oh, yeah. just kind of slammed out um which is actually not that surprising because writing is kind of he do you think he phrased it well in an interview where he said that uh it's if you if you Writing should only be slow if things go wrong, and so he was just lucky that he kind of knew it and could just write it out all in one, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, like a fortunate thing to happen because if you're writing it, it's taking extraordinarily long. Like, that means something's wrong, and like, you just don't have the. Yeah, like the concept needs more time in the oven, you know? You need yeah. to, like, arrive at the typewriter or keyboard fully baked, and then the idea just flows mm-hmm. out of you. I think that's what Aaron Sorkin said once. He said that, like, if if you're tearing your teeth out trying to get like every sentence out, then you something's wrong, and you should just come back to it once you actually know what you're writing. So mm-hmm. the, the, the whole thing, but oh my god, he only wrote it in like two days. Is like, well, I think there's there's certain scripts where like they've been written in like seventy two hours. Where if you view oh, yeah. it through that lens, it's like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> um, but a good few days after that, I think you can you can make a, a quality script if you're like properly experienced oh yeah plus like through the process of like making the film and like editing it there's probably a lot like that is left out from that script it'd be like oh that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense and that you know it's like it's a process it's, like it's, the it's, screenplay is just it's, the, it's, the, the first bit it was 90 pages long actually which mm. kind of matches how long the movie is um yeah but yeah, so I mean, Stephen Knight has got an interesting career. Do you want? To, do you know? Do you know the one of the things he's he's created in the past, which I found. I I know of. I think it's is P. Blinders. He's best known for. Uh, partly, I'd say the most culturally significant thing he's co-created is a little TV show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Shit! Really? He co-created that uh, in nineteen ninety-eight. I thought that movie. I thought that show was actually a little old in ninety-eight, but yeah, it was co-created by i think a called someone called maybe david briggs something like that and if you look up mm. who wants to be a millionaire it's three creators and he is one of them uh which is kind of mental so yeah you can you can thank steve knight for who wants to be, be a millionaire and serenity so he's been in the like british media industry for a long time now i'm guessing yeah he's an og and yes he, he has helps he just mostly writes a lot of stuff like a lot of people joking serenity about uh uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the kind of the the, the asshole husband's abuser, who mm-hmm. with with Anne Hathaway, who always gets cast as like the the asshole that gets cheated on in yeah, like five or six blockbuster movies. 
Yeah, uh, and he actually went, and it, I was like, a lot like an allied when he's the asshole husband who gets cheated on in the war. I was like, that was actually written by Steve Knight, so that he just like likes to put him in that role. Uh, he just likes to create this cuck again and again. <laughs> so I think people that shit talk, you can't shit talk Steve Knight for Serenity while liking Slumdog Millionaire because you can't have Slumdog Millionaire without Steve Knight. Yeah. Those, those also, Serenity is an amazing movie, and it, it got is. snubbed at the I, Oscars. I, this is a thing that, this is a thing that's been like, like honestly, all sarcasm aside, this is a thing that's been bugging me ever since Serenity was brought back into my brain. Because I've been thinking <laughs> about me. like, yeah, yes, yes, you, you force that fucking Matrix worm into my stomach, and it's worming oh. its way back up to my brain. And like, I was thinking like, oh, the classic thing when those kind of movies is like. Oh, it's bad, but it's good, and you should watch it. But when I watched Serenity, I had a fucking great time. I oh yeah, I laughed. I was I, I was thrilled. I was like shouting at the screen. I was pointing at things. I was like, "What is going on?" And by the end, I was like, I felt like I'd gone on a roller coaster experience. He's the rules, etc. Uh, and that makes me conclude that is a good movie, and I liked watching it. You know? Oh yeah, it's it's a great movie, but like I think the the problem with the movie is it's a bit experimental and it kind of fails in that respect. Also, it doesn't know quite what it is, so you the marketing mm-hmm. was just like, oh, it's this straight up noir. He's like, yeah, he's he's his wife, his ex wife comes back in the scene and stuff like that. Whereas like the movie's a lot more interesting than that, but there's no way to sell that to audiences in a way mm-hmm. that's going to get people flocking to it. So. But, yeah, it's just slept on. But it was like know. it was it was all the trailer was like Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway on a boat. That was the trailer, mm-hmm. which by the way is like one scene uh, or maybe two scenes. The most of it is, is Matthew McConaughey doing Matthew McConaughey fishing things. But I guess it could have been pitched as like um, <laughs> yeah, he does get his ass out a lot. It could have been pitched as like a weird mystery, like he doesn't something's not right about this island. You know, there's there's ways to do it, but it was oh, totally yeah. pitched as like this is like a a weird marriage thriller and it's got Anne Hathaway and McConaughey's everyone's like yeah I'm gonna I'll buy the ticket like of course mm-hmm. and it's just it's quite a leap from from Lock to Serenity because this is quite a it's like it was described as like a student film done by professionals because it's like one of the classic fun ideas that's like that's simplistic yeah. and done properly and yeah it was like like the like uh, yeah students with a hollywood budget you know like mm-hmm. the, the, it isn't like set in a student accommodation but it's like as if it was plotted by but Sere- like, Serenity three is like white dudes yeah, Serenity is like the script it's a student script written by like a 17 year old on lsd uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah that's a quite a leap um so but i feel like with this movie it's like this movie's also experimental but it works a lot more here because it's yeah. like it's a partially real-time movie he's like he's he's like basically a man his life fa- is falling apart as he drives down the m6 for an hour and a half that's this whole movie yeah and i think i think tom holly does a really good job because tom holly is like one of our best actors that is is working right now like he just kind of knocks it out the park every time i think he's probably like maybe a couple whiffs i don't like the look of his fucking um i'm blanking on names a lot today it's really annoying me 
his Capone, Capone, his Capone movie that came out that came out this year. Oh, and I just can't bring myself to watch it because I think it might I might not like it, and I don't want to taint Tom Hardy like that. Uh, he's he's coming off things like 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 Bronson. I think that was a big like acting character yeah, Bronson. Bronson was like probably his big starring role, I would say. Mm. Like his first big got, one. Yeah, like he's in co-other things. Like like Bronson was his big solo thing, and that's also him working with kind of big directors instead of just mm-hmm. grabbing different work. Uh, well, that was like Nicholas Nicholas Winding Refn before Refn. Drive came out, or was it after? I think it was actually uh, before two thousand eight. So when did when did Drive? Come oh yeah, out? that's before like, yeah, two thousand eleven. Quite, quite a lot before, yeah. So, <laughs> so I've just seen this means war come up. He's <laughs> they're not all art house folks. No, he's like one of the he's like kind of a Jake Gyllenhaal where he like. He'll have to do a mainstream movie every now and then. Yeah. But he like he likes being in his weirder other mm-hmm. stuff. Or like Venom good... and like stuff like that. He'll like he'll he'll do a weird job in Venom and it's great, but like here's where he thrives is just like play a weird yeah. play like a, a middle class guy who's obsessed with being good at his job that involves concrete. And Tom Hardy's like, yeah. Yes. It's so me. This is a this is a good. It's not in the the same kind of. It's not like the movie's about it, but it's it taps into a, a genre of of people who are good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. Which I think is why people like Tom Hanks movies a lot. Like the, the this this movie. I guess we'll we'll settle. And if you if if we already said that if you want to watch a movie, I recommend it to go away and, and watch it and come back. But for spoilers onwards, like the concept is that he's. The, the opening he's driving and you don't understand why he's driving to he makes a call mm-hmm. to who what we understand to be a workplace and like what the fuck what, what's going on why are you leaving and he's just going listen I can't explain I just have to there's weirdly there's shots of police that happens quite a lot which creates this kind of weird energy of like is he to do with criminal things that's what oh, I was yeah, thinking it's like you're like is is he like has he killed someone has he got like a body yeah, in the back yeah yeah because your understanding as an audience member is you see the poster and you see gripping thriller and like unexpected stunning performances and you're like okay what shit's kicking off then what crazy stuff is going to be happening uh and then it's essentially gradually revealed once he gets on the call to like his his actual boss who he has to be straight up with which he doesn't have to be straight up with but he does yeah. uh, and the concept is that he's had a one night stand that woman has somehow through small odds gotten pregnant and she's now in a premature two month early birth and he has to go to her to be with her when that happens and also but like the other thing that's happening is that he's left the job site where it's the largest Mm -hmm. concrete (laughs) core in Europe (laughs) outside of nuclear and military yeah like open brackets other than nuclear and military (laughs) pop. It's the largest concrete port in fucking Europe. Hundreds Damn, of millions Europe's of big. dollars. Europe, that's a big place. And I will specify, this is other than nuclear military, because they have big pores. But you know what? We're not part of that kind all of stuff. All the time. They They're just like pouring pores. big concretes. That's all they do. They just, big nuclear plants, military bases. I, 
I don't know what this building is, but all we know is that it's fucking huge. <laughs> like, he, it's like Chicago is involved somehow. So it's like probably like Ch- Chicago. Yeah, Chicago like owns the the company. And, yeah, and he's like probably like an American company of some kind that's getting the building. But like, I don't think even he knows what the building is for. I think he just wants to make a big building, and he's very proud of that big building. I think like throughout this movie, he's like someone who's like loves his job more than anything else. He's like. The, mm-hmm. the proudest he is is when he's talking about like oh i finished a building i was so happy and he's like yeah i know it's like it really tears him up to have to leave this job because you can tell he like he's been looking forward to this yeah. for a long time and yeah and he's trying to explain that to like his, his wife and is like and the way, you understand you you've root for him beyond trying to perspective of what it sounds like of like oh it was a good pour it's like what the fuck do you mean it was a good pour like <laughs> i'm your wife and it's like, listen, Katrina. It was a, it was a, it was, he was a great pourer of concrete, and you gotta let him have it. And so there's that. Oh, wait, he's trying to deal with that. He's talking to Dougal, played by Andrew Scott, which we'll get to after. Donald, Dougal, Don, Donald, sorry. Donald. I'm thinking of Father Dougal. Uh, but on the third, the third, but therefore wherever, is that his kids are all at home for this huge football match. The mother's got sausages going, and this it's the big game. And then, mom's wearing the shirt. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, when are you home? You're like, well, like we we've got all this stuff ready, which is just so awful to listen to. And you gotta just get it all in Tom Hardy's fucking beautiful face. Is he talking to young Tom Holland at this point? Yeah, like he, he, Tom Holland is one of the kids. Which honestly, I didn't recognize until like he actually has more of a performance later on. He just sounds like a kid to me. Uh, like I didn't notice until the credits. I was like, "Oh shit, that was Tom Holland this whole time." The only thing I knew was the cast before, so I started picking up on the voices. Like it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. how in the first act of the movie they just sound like regular people, and when they start like yelling or like getting into like their very serious lines, you're like, "Oh, okay, so that's Andrew Scott. I know mm-hmm. that now." Like, when he has the side and starts yelling, like, you're not in control anymore, like, I will do what the fuck I want. I was like, oh, that's Andrew Scott. Okay, I've got that now. And Olivia Coleman, when she's, like, on, like, like high drug and she's, like, making sarky comments, I was like, okay, so that's Olivia Coleman. Yeah. So it's interesting how the kind of audio of it comes forward, because they're all voice actors. Uh, which mm-hmm. I, I put a note, Great like, performances Ed- as well. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you want to know a little fact about this movie? Uh, fire away. Okay, so the production of this movie was done in about eight nights. They just, like, every mm-hmm. single night for six or seven hours, they just got on a highway with a trailer, and they just pulled the car, and they would just do, they would just do take of a take of a take. You wouldn't know when the calls would come in. They would just, like, Steve, Steve Knight would just send in the calls. And by the calls, they are actual calls, like, through the car from the actors in conference rooms who are giving those performances oh. every single take. So are they getting like recorded professionally on the other side? Yes, so they'll, they'll get recorded mm. professionally. Imagine they'll be mixed in different ways. But he's, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe not, but he's getting those calls uh, and they're recording it like they must have recorded, they recorded it pretty well because it sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get all the cars with the sound, all the noise and the car sounds are real. That's not like added in after and they just have the actors call in and give like a proper person-to-person performance, which I think is kind of a good move and is required for this kind of movie. Yeah, because like I think most times when they would do like a, a phone call type thing in a regular movie where it's not that's not the center of it, it would be like mm-hmm. 
like someone off camera reading the script or they're playing a recording of the actor saying their lines so you can react yeah. to it appropriately but like doing it live that's quite that's quite a ingenious way well, of doing things or maybe they did call it in for like a maybe another movie but like to call it in for the whole thing is just calls is like a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of work and voice work but yeah it's like it kind of just shows that the the power of like actual voice acting and that the big names can still bring it to voice acting as they can on screen stuff because they do everyone does a really good job in this movie oh yeah it's like it's it's like a who's who of like british drama slash comedy mm-hmm. like through it like alice Lowe yeah. plays like one of the the sisters at the hospital and stuff like that and it's like it, wow, I, it's I, like... I i like the the, the call all the calls from hospitals are like really genuine and great and it literally felt like there were like genuine calls there were Oh yeah, that was nice. It felt so, like th- this would be a call that you would receive from the hospital yourself, rather than a-, a famous British person doing it. Yeah, and like the situation in all itself is is very tough to watch, but you need it. Like, I'm someone who's got a very low attention span, uh, mm-hmm. and it develops less and less as like as 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 like you might feel the same way. I'm not sure, but like, yeah, I'm especially affected by like very cringy and awkward things. Like when when Ooh. when other people love that stuff, like cringe humor or just particularly uncomfortable scenes, I if I don't really care about it, like I'll often just skip through it because I'm like I don't like I know what what they're saying, what they're going to say, and I just don't want to oh, yeah. watch this uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. For this, I just could not do that because I just wanted to know how he was going to handle it and how what what he was going to say because I was completely gripped to what they were going to do. Like that's the whole film is just this tension of like, how is he gonna communicate with other mm-hmm. people? Like, and he you can see just like his his performance is brilliant because he's just like playing this this character who's like very kind of simple minded. I would say he's like he's very mm-hmm. straightforward. He's like never had to do anything like this before to like mm-hmm. talk like communicate like this emotionally. He's, and he's just he's, like he's he's never had a fuck up before. He's just always like a, yeah. he's just like. He's always just a very, he's very like dad of the year. Yeah, he's very action minded. Like you can see it in, in all of the performances that he's never had to talk like. Yeah, you're right. He never had to talk like this before because he goes by practical solutions, step by step. Let's do this. Let's do this, and then things will be fine. And that's why the the performances are really great because they all have this kind of incredulous like surprise. Like I can't believe what I'm hearing because you're not like this. The idea that mm-hmm. to try and figure out what this guy is like before now, and the fact that we're with this guy in like the most outlandish, ridiculous part of his life that he's never like this, which and you have to un- get that from the performances of the other actors because they know what he's usually like and have to respond in that kind of way. And, mm-hmm. and like he's fact, honest fact to yeah. he's honest to a fault because like uh-huh. when he's talking to Olivia Coleman's character on the phone and she's like, "Oh, I love you," and he's just like. I'm not going to say yeah, it back because yeah, yeah. I don't mean it. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. "But I need you to say it." And he's like, "Nope, nope." He just he he never like he 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 doesn't. I don't think he lies once in this movie. He he mm-hmm. either says I'll talk about it later, or he says the like cold dead truth, mm-hmm. um, or he says what he thinks is true. Um, oh yeah, because the yeah like also delves into. The idea of of the fact that he cheated on his wife and 
that idea of he's making this argument of like, listen, I never make mistakes. I've always been a good father, a good husband. This was one mistake. And Ruth Wilson, who we haven't mentioned, does mm-hmm. a really great job and has a bunch of very good lines. Uh, one of which talks about like the gap between doing it once and never doing it is like huge. Yeah, it's like you, you. There's two worlds. There's like never world, and there's like once world. Yeah, and even it, it seems like one mistake, but like the idea of monogamous, like a wedding vow, is that that is that gap that you can't go back on. And mm-hmm. I guess we can go into the flaws of monogamy in this podcast, but I feel like that would might tread too deep. Oh yeah, that would, that would just get a bit too long. But like, it, <laughs> yeah. like th- th- this character in this world that we're shown in this movie is very like cishet normative. It's like monogamy yeah. like he's 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 mm. basically i think he's like the character is a bit of a tory like i'm not saying this <laughs> in a disparaging way but he's like you it gets revealed because he like he he talks to his dad dad out loud i don't know if it's like a soliloquy or he's hallucinating because he's drinking cough medicine but he's like um it's revealed that it's like he, he comes from like a rougher background like a more working class mm-hmm. background and now he's like quite middle class he's got like this big important job or it's like he sees it as an important job, so he's like, he does seem like one of those like, well, like I made it, so why can't anyone else sort of people? So it feels like he yeah. he's finally getting his morals tested, like for once. Yeah, and it's like it, it's that idea of also being faced with someone on screen who I never really have, I don't see as a character very often, which is that like very quiet manager type you don't know much about, but the fact is he's there at six a.m. every day. And he doesn't fuck up. Like he just like he just knows how to do his job and he's the one who tells other people when they fuck up. And the way that they everyone just like, You're not meant to do this, like what what is going on? In fact, that he's like, Listen, like, look, I've I have never fucked up, so give me this chance for God's sake. And everyone's like everyone's giving him a chance because he's you know, usually so good. And it's kind of nicer that, the, the, that everyone else is giving him that chance but his wife is is not because that's a different thing entirely like that isn't work that isn't mm-hmm. like the trust and respect of a colleague that's an entirely different thing and ah oh, yeah there's a couple just like great invisible things that tom hardy does that the script does really well like for example the when he has to get a fucking councilman's number from his notebook oh, in yeah. the kitchen and he practically loses his marriage for that one phone number, and then Andrew fucking Scott calls up and is like, "Oh, I got it anyway." And that's just... like, yeah, it's like just like that's like another piece like unraveling. Mm-hmm. Like what this movie yeah. is great at is just like it's it's like he's just trying he's just trying to hold it together, but it just like keeps slipping from his fingers. It's like, oh, like because he's like, oh, I'll talk Andrew Scott, I'll talk you through uh, this whole thing, and like. Don't worry. There's a the, there's a folder in my desk. I'll tell you everything that you need to do. And then he realizes he's got the folder yeah, in his he's... car, and it's like all these little bits. He's like he thinks he's got it planned out, but it's like not going quite to plan. And it's something I got taught in like film school was like no one goes to see a movie to see everything go well. Yeah. So like when you were talking about this character, is like everything's gone right in his life until now, where everything is going yeah. wrong all at once yeah the, it's it's, that's it's what, amazing that's what to good, see that's what good stories are it's just like seeing mm-hmm. this this is the point where this character has is up the most shit creek they've ever been in and that's when the best stories happen and yeah. uh like <laughs> what, 
weirdly one of my favorite parts of this movie was just watching Tom Hardy as Ivan Locke just talk to Andrew Scott about fucking concrete pouring and testing. I just want to see them in a movie together, just like making concrete, just like like a just a really like, boring docu- mockumentary where it's just like Andrew Scott is like the charismatic one and Tom Hardy's just like, you've got to get everything done, see? <laughs> you have to check each one, you have to go around. I, I mean you, I mean check it. Jesus. <laughs> do everything yourself, check it yourself. <laughs> Don't get them to do it, they're fucking idiots. You go around and check everyone. And he's on the fucking side. It's just, it's, it's, I just, I, 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 this, that's the kind of moment where it's like, surely I should be checking out this, this should be when I'm checking my phone, but I'm like, are you going to check the pipes? Like, are you going to, are you going to run down the road? Uh, and like, this just shows like the, the quality of Hollywood blockbuster movies at the moment, because like, I'll watch like one of those new, like fantastic beast films or Marvel films. And I'm checking my phone throughout it. But whereas this yeah, movie, yeah. I was like gripped. And I was like, Oh shit! I've got to go take a break. Got to go to the toilet or something. And I was like straight back, and I'm like, I need to see what happens next. Even on the rewatch, I was like, I love how it just unravels. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's good. It's like I, and it's also the kind of thing that, although Serenity is an absolute meme, like he seems to have this joy of like dropping you in somewhere where you don't really understand what the what's a, a what's going on and b why you're there and like why it matters that you're there. Why there's even a camera in this guy's face uh, until yeah. like you can't look away from this guy's face and you don't want to be anywhere else, which is a great transition to make. Yeah, it's like, especially this film nails the feel of like driving down like a highway, like sort of busy road, like at nighttime. And it just like the, the orangeness of the lights uh, mm-hmm. combined with just like the, the slow, like wish of the cars. It just like really reminds mm-hmm. me of like when you're like in a car going down the highway and you're just like your brain is just like slowly going like insane because mm-hmm. like you're just passing the same like traffic light at the same interval and your brain's just like slowly it getting kind of hit fades in and out and the director mm-hmm. of photography who obviously doesn't have a huge amount to work with is just like using the kind of faded and like unfocused lights and trying to show mm-hmm. that he's just kind of drifting in and out uh the only kind of way he uses that physical space for like tension i guess is when he's reading up that that site that giant folder of site book and i'm like mm-hmm. and it's like it never does the thing where it's like oh my god i nearly crashed the car but you're thinking it because he's kind of you can see that it's it's cutting to the road and it's cutting back and he's, he's his eyes are there and you're kind of like grab even grabbing the seat a little bit but of course he doesn't crash the car because he's too he's too uh good and responsible yeah like this whole movie is like you waiting for something to happen and not yeah. being disappointed that nothing happens, you're like, oh, well, that was that was a fun movie. But like at some point, you're just like, is he gonna fall asleep? Because he's yeah. like, he's yeah, slugging yeah. medicine yeah. back, and he's he's obviously like very under the weather. Do you think he's just gonna like slowly nod off and like mm-hmm. that's the end of the movie? Tom Hardy got an actor award for it. Um, oh yeah, it's a very US, actor so movie. Like kind of, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely much like you had to get a really good leading performance for that movie and. There's only like I don't know. There's there's a very 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 short list of actors who could do it better than Tom Hardy or as good as Tom Hardy. Paul Walker. <laughs> uh, shit, he's on like a flips like mobile cell phone. Nah. Uh, who who like getting off topic again? Which American would you cast for the American remake of Locke? Tom Hanks. 
Tom Hanks. Mm, that could work. Could, I was wait, thinking wait, Oscar Isaac. That would work as well. But like, uh, someone who just like America and the world would just automatically root for, who's always like the good guy who's good at his job. Uh, like maybe back in the day, maybe like Unbreakable era Bruce Willis would be oh, kind yeah. of fun because he plays a great like industrial <laughs> worker, kind of like standard working class guy. Um, so that would work. You got as well. a bit of money, you know. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Tim- Timothy Chalamet. Florence Pugh could drive a car for an hour she and a half, and I would watch it. That, yeah, she could do anything for an hour and a half, and I'd probably watch it. No, oh, yeah. Charlie's Theron. I just, I'm, I'm out. I just noticed the the poster for Mad Max. Now just that's just got me out. thinking of Mark Wahlberg because she was also in Italian Job with him. Oh, uh, well, Mark well? Wahlberg in a car for an hour and a half? No, I don't think I don't <laughs> think I could like Mark Wahlberg enough for that. Like he's the same like era of like he's a classic Family Guy and he's a good guy, but like he just he's, he's, I don't, he's just not got it enough. I think he's gonna get like a Safdie's brothers Safdie brothers film in like two three years, and everyone's gonna love Mark Wahlberg again. On the same wavelength, though, you know, I think you know, I think could do it. Adam Sandler, Matt Damon, mm. oh, same kind of thing as like the like the performance you gave in The Departed. I think if you're on that same kind of wavelength, he, I think you, Matt play, he, he'd play it. He'd be like less likable than Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't like him as, as much, but like, I think he could play. The, he could do those lines and be that character, like a, like an angrier Bostonian version of this movie. Because it is Americanized, yeah, so much. it'll just be like a lot angrier, and it'll be like it'll be a different movie. It'll be cross yeah. country, but it'll be like just like chopped up, <laughs> you know, because the country's a lot bigger. Yeah, this this movie when I looked it up just had the genre of drama slash road. <laughs> it drama does happen on the road sometimes. Yeah, it's it's the, the genre is road because it is on a road a lot. Uh, the genre um, is car movie. This is a car movie podcast. It is a car movie podcast. Welcome to Chatty Chatty Bang Bang. <laughs> Welcome to Chatty Chatty Bang Bang. This is the, that was the intro <laughs> you just heard. It's a little elongated, but we'll get there in the end. Um, there's another thing I was going to talk about, but like my mind a little bit. The car, BMW XR. It's, a, it's like one of those. Is it like a like a fake four x four car or a real one? It's. I think it's a real car. Uh, they're really driving. Mm. But it was. Just, it was pulled by a trailer, so they could like get the cameras on and things like that. No, Pat- but I was meaning like you know what like it's like it's one of those like bigger cars that like parents buy to like do the school run and stuff. But does it? Oh, like, yeah, it, yeah. It, is it, it one of those like chunkier, ones that you could yeah. actually take off road, or is it one of those ones that's just like that's nah, just big? It seems a little. It? it seems like it seems a little corporate to me. It seems like like one of those yeah. company cars. Um, oh yeah. They only really pulled over and did rest, so just changed the memory card to the cameras, and it was like a. It, mm. They described it as a Formula One like pit stop, and they just they, they would just keep going. Which, Damn, no brakes, breaking yeah. labor laws out here. But that's like, that sounds like what Tom Hardy wants. Like, it probably just contributes to him looking tired and then feeling like absolute dog crap. Yeah, I just wanted to give him a hug through this entire movie. He just looks so sad. I know, I know. I just feel you just you do feel bad for him. You do certainly feel bad for him, and. Yeah, you know, the the 
the kids are rough and the and the game and all that kind of stuff. And we, I guess we didn't really we glanced over it, but the big fourth part is this whole relationship with his father, mm-hmm. um, which is like the the whole reason that he's so determined by this is that he had this he was abandoned by his father. He's not going to do that for this other kid, even though like everything is screaming in the world to him. It's just like you know what, like you've you've earned one asshole thing to leave alone. Uh, and it's like no, no, I've not. Like I'm gonna go to this fucking hospital, and like this movie is like basically is like if he was the asshole dad, his life would be much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He's not gonna do that. But that's not life. Isn't life's not as harder if you have to do the right, do the right thing? Yeah. the The concept of this movie, if you sell it, it'd be like, oh, it's like totally set in one car, uh, and it's just him like going from one place to another. But I think the real selling point is the fact that it is the, the idea of it being real time, which you so rarely see in movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, think Phone Booth was kind of like that. We talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what else was I thinking of? There was like a film called The like, Interview, which was like, mm. that was like a real time movie. And it was shot sequentially. And it was like all about like, these like 12 people are t- taken to an interview. And it's like, it's a 90-minute interview, and you see the clock on the wall, and you're like, that's exactly it. And I think this is the first movie I've seen that really nails the real time. Mm-hmm. And it, like, reminds you of it. Like, you, like, the idea of, like, he's calling up Bethan, the, the, the one giving birth, and he's like, he's like, listen, I'm, I'm an hour away. I'm 45 minutes away. And, like, the fact that you're watching that happen, and that, 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 the fact that that time tracks, and the fact that you've been there for that entire time, is, like, an experience you very rarely get in movies. And it feels like the movie isn't tricking you in any kind of way. It feels like you're watching a real thing. It feels like it feels longer, but not in a bad way. It's like, oh, this movie was boring and it felt long. It feels longer because like car journeys feel longer. It mm-hmm. feels like, and, oh my god, this must have been like an hour. And it's like, oh no, he's just been driving for 30 minutes and he's been talking to a lot of people and nothing's been cut out yet, you know? Yeah, and it, it's just like it's just it's just absolute pack. And the talker was always a call, interrupting another call, and the gaps. Pure dialogue, action packed. Yeah, and it's like the the poster is like it's like gripping and thrilling, and there's a weird like double sided coin to the idea of selling someone as a, as a stunning, gripping thriller. Because you 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 grip the thriller, a gripping thriller can be done in different ways, and the most normal way is you go in and there's like something I don't know, absolutely like quite scary and, and mm-hmm. dangerous happening. That's usually what happens. Like there's something thrillers usually associated with it with things that are criminal and things that are like scary to you. Or not, taboo, like, like sort of like affairs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. tend to be like show up a lot in thrillers. And instead it's like our something that's thrilling and gripping in a very real life way in that there is sometimes very horrible life moments that are thrilling and gripping that you want to get on and capturing that small thing like it's it's this is such a short film idea uh but it couldn't Mm -hmm. really work as a short film in any way which is very interesting like you need that length to convey the idea of this like longer journey like if it was 40 mm-hmm. minutes you would have so much less 
things to keep you interested like you'd mm-hmm. have to cut out like one of the subplots for instance you'd probably have to cut out like his dad's stuff or like the concrete stuff yeah. and then the film just wouldn't work it wouldn't have enough plates to spin to keep you interested it's like the idea that, that a, lot, a lot of short films are like they, they, they can't get a full feature length story so they take like a segment of it or a segment of something dramatic mm. like and in this case it would be like he there's a guy who works at a place he has a wife and kids he's good at his job and then he got a call the he's he's somebody at a one-eye stand was having a baby and then more time passes and then she she calls and it's premature and he has to travel to the hospital and deal with his family and if he can come back and it's taken all of that and it's taken well that car journey would be the most like the mental part because he has to tell everyone via a car phone and they've just taken which what would be a short film pitch and its unique nature in the way that it conveys time means that has to be a feature length film which makes this film quite unique yeah it's like it's turned the part that like you would cut out of a movie into like the most important part mm-hmm. of the movie is like it is the movie it's like no here's all the tensions happening in this transitional phase of like going from one place to another it's not like yeah. if this was a short movie you just show like yeah the affair then it'll probably be like him seeing the baby and then him talking to his wife like the next day be like all oh, this happened like if you were trying to like condense it but like with this it's just like no let's take out like the bit that we just show the start and end of and we'll just fill fill the middle in there I th- yeah I, th- I think the direction is really good I think that just the whole that that is one of those wonderful filmmaking productions where the actor is like sold on it and it's like not harming a bunch of people and it's just like one of those things where they are like killing themselves doing it but it's in the name of this great idea you can and feel the passion behind the camera you know mm-hmm. and like and yeah. through the actors it's like they like they none of these actors would have agreed to do this if they didn't want to do it like maybe some yeah. of the voice actors but like tom hardy's just like no this is my my chance to have a movie that's just me and to me for me to show my acting chops and he mm-hmm. he, he smashes it out of the park but also like in in that in the variety interview that i was reading like he was with stephen knight and he was like and he was he, he said he described it almost doing it for stephen he was like it was like oh, i do anything for this guy so it almost mm-hmm. like he's he, Stephen King is this guy who has a lot of a great reputation in British media and has his kind of fingers in a lot of places because I mean people end it he wants to be a millionaire the, the all these kind of various things taboo. he picked up like all these hmm? taboo as well was like Tom yeah. Hardy as well he, so he did hummingbird uh, I'm not mm. sure if you caught that one no it's it's the same it's directed by Stephen Knight and it's also produced by the same people it's uh Jason Statham like action movie that was oh. you, you might recognize the poster it's got like a very like like iconic cyberpunk like, poster? poster yeah I know the poster yeah. it's un- un- very annoyingly released renamed to Redemption in the US and funnily enough it didn't re- wasn't received very well in the US because why the fuck would you rename it to a Redemption Hummingbird is a great name Redemption's a <sighs> subtitle it's not a title to a movie it's like <laughs> just, Jason Statham just redemption. Sucks in general. Like that's that sounds like a fake action movie that someone made up for like, like a, like a, for like a fake action movie within a movie. You know, mm-hmm. like, like I'm gonna go to the cinema to watch redemption. 
like they don't trust American audiences to have a brain. Like I've seen like mm-hmm. stuff like Pride of Prejudice and Zombies, and if you watch like the international trailer and then you watch the American trailer, you can see that like in the American trailer they're like we need to spell out this whole movie for you in case you don't understand what it is. And I think that's what leads to a lot of movies failing because people are just like, mm-hmm. I know what it is, so I don't need to see it. Yeah, and I, I, another classic example I was brought up by yesterday, I was talking to my friend about it, was the boat, who, uh, the boat that rocked. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you know the American story about that one. Is that like a party boat or something? Ooh. It's the boat that rocked. Is this is a pretty popular like like, like British film about this pirate radio like, ship. It was actually yeah, like on, a big on thing a ship in the sixties. Yeah, and it was it was about that being kind of like gradually tried to be shut down and this kind of rebellious like funk cool radio radio nature. I think it was a good movie if I remember correctly, but mm-hmm. it was released in it didn't the US. Like XX didn't think it would work for US audiences because it's like a very British based thing, so they they re-edited it completely and released it as a film called Pirate Radio, which was based around one of the characters is like an American DJ, and they re-edited the film so it was it almost like that was the the well, who the film was about, like what? it was about that American DJ and everything the American DJ was, and they just cut all loads of scenes that didn't have him. Fucking hell, that's that's wild. Which is like ridiculous. I think Pirate Radio is the name that on Netflix. I'm not sure. I think it was the it might be the correct version for different things, but mm-hmm. that which is insane. Like was- um it happens a lot with animation because I know like Noska of the Valley of the Wind, the first American release of that was just like it was like forty minutes shorter and it like removed anything about like environmentalism and like it made Nausicaa mm-hmm. like to be like this warrior princess who loves killing people, mm-hmm. which she's absolutely not. Yeah. It's like <sighs> but I was also like listening to a, a similar thing about how they subtitle things in, in in like Western versions because they translate it and they they don't often translate it. Like certain things, they translate because it's like a very Japanese-based thing, and they try yeah, like, and translate it to like something that we'd understand. I can't think of an exact example, but like if there's an it if tends there's to a be Japanese like, phrase, it will. Yeah, mm-hmm. it tends to be like yeah, phrases and like local sayings that like get translated to mm-hmm. ones that Western audiences would know. But oftentimes, like that would be done terribly, and like the right the writers who are very famous, talented Japanese writers is then, like, delegated to these random fucking, like, translators who are like, nah, that joke won't work for us, so we're gonna write a new joke that's, like, as you'd expect someone who, like, doesn't, isn't professionally good at writing jokes would make. Like, this very yeah. crude, like, childish stuff, and it just kind of, like, taints the film almost, so. That was another it's example like- of, like, American-isms. I was, like, watching anime from, like, probably like around about 2000s and it was just like the subtitles were just like full of like ableist and like homophobic slurs i was like wow like yeah translation is very much up like it is like a a whole new version of the story because you're like you're retelling Mm -hmm. it effectively and it can be Um, done really badly yes it certainly can but uh thankfully this was not remade into the u.s version it was like this is is the first 
film actually set in the UK. We've done like only American and Japanese films up until now. Yeah, like is there are there any other UK films on the horizon for us? Like I don't think that like Americans and cars and movies seem to go t- together very very yeah. well. Whereas British car movies, I, mean, like, I, want, I think they had yeah. There's a, there's a French movie we want to do in the future. There's like I mean, Fast and Furious goes kind of everywhere, but they are American movies. Yeah, um, and there are there are one of the sort of, like a couple of movies like are very UK based in a lot of ways. Um, shot in shot in uh, London, Liverpool, mm-hmm. and I think Glasgow as well. They, they shot Edinburgh. All around, yeah, like they the shot all movie? around the UK. But yeah, I can't think of any other ones that are that are up that are like UK based. So it's, it's maybe Lock is is our only one. Who knows? Like even Italian Job, it's not in the UK, even though it's a British movie. Yeah, uh, um, it's unfortunate. But I guess I, I, like driving in the spectacle of cars is such an American thing. Uh, yeah, especially like like we haven't talked about this yet for being on a car movie podcast, but I feel like mm-hmm. car chases and cinema. There seems to be like a like a really quick way to do a bit of spectacle, like. Like you mm-hmm. just get some stunt drivers go down the street, do do a few cool things, and then people love to see it because it's not because people are familiar mm-hmm. with cars in real life, and you when you go into a movie, you want to see them either in a different light or in a way that you've never seen them before, and I think that's where like a lot of stunts come from. Yeah, and also yeah, also like like seeing cars cutting through traffic and doing crazy shit because you never really see that. It's mm-hmm. always very much like following traffic and highway laws and watching them. Like in take Tokyo Drift, like drifting around all the traffic, and is is fun to watch. Um, but uh, there are no traffic laws really broke. He might he might speed in this movie. I think he might. Well, he said he was going to get ninety, which is probably over the speed limit. Oh yeah, he was like at the start, he was like, "I've got a speed limit to follow," and then later on, he's like, "Doing 90. And so, honestly, lock him up. Yeah, lock him up. Throw away the key. Eighty years minimum for that. Sick bastard. Uh, uh, piss and cup wars. I, I say that worse every time. I didn't say the word words there. Piss and cup awards. I mean, this is quite an interesting movie to do best scene for, but I guess... Okay, well, okay, okay. how about we change it a little bit into the best scene we can go by best call? But yeah, best conversation or call. Because mm-hmm. this is all one scene, basically. Yeah, like best car? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, I think that there's less option to this one. Uh, we'll we'll make we'll make up a new uh, uh a, a new one for best car. All right. So best, where are we going for best call? Best call, best conversation. I think for me, it would be have to be like when he's initially when he confronts Andrew Scott's character of drinking. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good scene. I was gonna say that one as well. It's like you can say that as well. It's, but it's like I don't. Yeah, because that scene is so good. Like, I want to say like it should be. It should. It should. By all logic, it should not be anything to do with the concrete fucking pouring job. It should be the conversations about his like grieving wife or this like woman he's never met who's having birth. But like the power dynamic between uh. What the hell, Andrew Scott? I keep I keep thinking to Dougal. Is it? Is it Donald? Donald, like Donald, who's like you. You're not my boss, but you're helping me, so I'm gonna do what you ask. But also, you can't be an asshole to me anymore because 
you have You're no right anymore. Yeah. And I, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to say the scene where like Tom Hardy's talking to his kid, Tom Holland, and he's saying, oh, oh, yeah. I can't be there. And he's like so heartbroken. He's like, oh, but dad, like the, the game, We've, mom's got sausages. She's wearing the shirt. And he's like, oh, but I can't. I, I can't, kid. I love a good heartbreaking dad scene. Yeah. There's also the, the book in when the kid knows and he's like, you're going to come back and we're going to get the sausages and we'll replay it because I've got it recorded. And like that's also really heartbreaking. He's not and coming he just, back. He just says nothing. Uh, yeah, that's a great scene. Um, I think I like the I like the boss who's just grabs a bastard in a couple of those scenes. Like Garrett. I, I think he's... I think I th- I like his character in a certain sense when he says because I've all I've met managers like Tom Hardy who are just these kind of like they can be like they can have a girl at you if you mess up but also they're like very just quiet and good at their job and I've also met yeah, managers like sound. but you've also met managers like Gareth who are just like the more CEO type who are just kind of whiny assholes power tripping uh, cunts who are just like hey uh-huh. like my word is law. Do what I say immediately, mm-hmm. otherwise you're fired. And it's just all about like the the money and the, the money lost. Uh, and the, the the line the line that I always remember when it comes when it, when I think about that character is when he's like, "I threw up earlier, you know." And <sighs> Ivan returns and says, "Well, I've lost like my house, my wife, and my job." And his boss, his boss is like, "Well, listen, I don't I like I don't care if you fucked up." And it's like. Well, I don't care if you threw up, like eat shit, and that's when he—the only time he rightfully just goes like "fuck Chicago." Not even him, not even his boss. He could easily say "fuck you, Gareth, I hate you," but he just says "fuck the company that works like above you," and "fuck them" because they're the yeah. only thing that I have no connection with. Because he still has that respect for Gareth. It's like, come on, man. That's what I'm saying. He's a bit of a Tory, you know. He's like he's got <laughs> yeah. respect for authority, you know. A little bit of a bootlicker. What? I won't yeah. lie. Yeah. Um, best performance. Like I, I kind of want to give two because I kind of want to. I think the best performance would probably go to Tom Hardy in this case. But I also want to oh, yeah. give a award for who was the best, like caller, voice actor. Hmm. If you go first. Uh best voice actor. I really liked. Booth Wilson as Katrina, but that would be my close second. But I'm going to give it to Andrew Scott because I really oh. liked him in this in this in this movie. I like how it kind of revs up. I like how he's just kind of a classic character who's meant to be. I like his gradual style of drinks. I like him yelling. The scenes when he's yelling and when he's like really ecstatic and happy. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to give it to Andrew Scott. I like Andrew Scott when he's got a good script behind him, unlike when he was in Sherlock, when he didn't have a good oh, yeah, script yeah, behind sure. him. He, he, he did have a, he still gave a good performance in that one, but oh yeah, but like with the good script, he's like he's like he's like hanging out with the stars, phenomenal. you know. He's phenomenal. he's like phenomenal, yeah. but like in Sherlock, he's just great, only great. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, I'm gonna give it to. Ruth Wilson, because like, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, it's like her towards the end. Right. You're just like, fuck, this woman's just like had her life shattered. Like she was like waiting to watch a football game with her husband and kids, <laughs> and she's like, what? You, you oh, fucking all the what? little navigations, yeah, yeah. All the little navigations were like, can you take the phone upstairs? Like, why am I taking the phone upstairs? Why can't I just have it here? And like that, those steps you had to go through. Um, 
I I wrote in my in my in my notes a, a, a line that she that she said that I quite I think I thought I think was a a good script point was that he explains the whole situation about um about how the baby's being born and he's the father and I think she has, she hangs up and has like this these phases of of like kind of denial and and then it's, and then like there's areas of anger and there's like I'll just be crying and throwing up. And the, mm-hmm. the anger one is is great, but he tells her all the details earlier, and when she's angry, she doesn't even really take any of that in. She's like, she's like, oh yeah. what, like so, so she's pregnant, and she's like, well, actually, she's like being born. She's like, oh right, okay, like she didn't even take in all the information before and takes it in after, which is how human beings operate. Like that's like a, just a really genuine and good line to add in the fact that she didn't mm-hmm. take in anything that he said before. Oh yeah, my favorite um, line in the movie also, is "You don't trust God when it comes to concrete." <laughs> you don't trust God. Do you know why? You know why, Dusty? Because this is the biggest concrete pour in Europe, outside of military and nuclear. Open parenthesis outside of nuclear and military buildings. Close parenthesis. It's <sighs> he. May, he's a. He has a line that's, that's 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 make it better like plaster and brick, which is so is like his like caveman brain. It's like I know concrete, I make layers and build things, and then I fix yeah. them. Uh, I was like, but you can't pour concrete on your relationship, Tom Hardy. <laughs> you can't pour concrete on Ruth Wilson. <laughs> you that's, could, that's the moral but you story. go to prison. <laughs> you really shouldn't. I had a question: Would this make a good podcast instead? Hmm. I think you could do something like a podcast of this, but you'd, I think you'd have to have a, like a radio element as well. You'd have to have like another like backdrop to it. Like with this, watching it is like part of the tension because you are just it, like the the visual track itself is like washing over you. There's a lot of like mm-hmm. like opacity and it's like transparency and like shots layered on top. I think that lends that, that... a lot more. That was that kind of shows the differences between film and and audio fiction though because in film in this film, I was my argument would be like oh but you can't see Tom Hardy's face you can't see his reactions and that actor's a kind of silent performance, but mm-hmm. with audio, the the lack of like a, a sound performance is kind of made up by the fact that if you were listening to it if I was listening to this podcast it would feel more like these were calls I was listening to and I was taking, so yeah. that way that. Even though you look at the performance, I I would feel much more attached to that character if I was listening as a podcast than watching him, because there's, mm. there's a detachment there that I think audio fiction lends itself to because you're listening to those calls like him, just like everyone else, and you feel a bit more like in his shoes than you would in a film which is like shooting a camera at his face. Yeah, I think I, I think you're you're onto a good point there, but I think. Like just because Tom Hardy does put in a great performance, a lot of it is just like him squirming awkwardly in his mm-hmm. seat as well. Is yeah, like it yeah. builds the tension a little bit more. I think you'd have to change his character a little bit to make it compelling to listen to all the way through. And yeah, and stuff like the actor business, I guess, uh, which mm-hmm. would be difficult to translate through audio. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's something to think about, I guess. Uh, we were doing we did best performance. What? <laughs> Again, we can't really do best car because it's a it's a it's a BMW, but um, <laughs> um, what should a third best car award part. be? 
best car part that we see in the movie? Is it the steering wheel <laughs> or the windshield? I would give it to the. Uh, I like. I like his. I like his 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 calling like UI system. He's got a knob that he he does through on the side. It's That's like a natural thing that you can do physically. Yeah, he 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 doesn't he doesn't have to like reach out a finger and he's like a weird touch screen. He just has like a physical knob that he uses. That's pretty neat. So I guess we can give an award to that. I'm going to uh, give it to his Tupperware first aid kit that he keeps in his car. <laughs> yeah. What a fucking loser, man. It's a little first aid kit filled with medicine. Just in case. He's, he's prepared for everything. Yeah. And I guess we didn't really talk about the ending of this movie, but I guess we can look into that. Like, apartment was like, well, it'll end at the hospital, right? Like, that's the destination. And we kind of started the base, so that's where we'll end. But the the end of the the, the baby like doesn't gets born without him being there, and mm-hmm. yeah, that the the audio of the baby crying is like it has this weird satisfying nature of like it being almost worth it and understanding the kind of worth of having a child, and but that being more important than like anything else. It feels like the bit at the end of a horror movie when it's like daylight and like the killer's dead mm-hmm. and like the the final person has survived. That's what that sound felt like. It's like oh. Tension's over. Like, even like, though, yeah, no life has even been brought all, into the like, world. Their friends are dead, and like everything's mm-hmm. horrible going wrong. Like at least they're like they're out, and there's some yeah. semblance where like the baby's. Because we missed the, we had the fourth thing with his dad, but the fifth thing is that the baby might fucking die. Yeah, he's got like, like, got, like a birth card. Because of course there's some kind of birth. Of course there's a nooser on the baby's neck. Of course there is. Oh, why wouldn't there be? Uh, and he's just like, okay, we'll ask to get, we'll ask to go to the, the pills and and get some painkillers. Just, I don't it's know you, the, you random fucking best, woman. <laughs> it's for the best. See, you just, just get on with it. Just cut, cut her open. Let's get that alien parasite out. <sighs> oh, imagine if it was an alien at the end. Cloverfield, <laughs> like in Click and Ten Cloverfield Lane, like there's a weird alien scene right at the end. It doesn't match the rest of the movie. No, the baby's the alien. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just Tom Hardy gets her and it like just kills him, and you're like, oh, is it an alien movie this whole No, time? the baby comes out and it's like, and it's that fucking venom like ectoplasm bullshit. <laughs> the baby and comes and out and it's, and it's like, and it's like, and it's like venom re- and a venom colon redemption. <laughs> I was thinking uh, the baby comes out and it's like Benjamin Button, but it's old Tom Hardy, and he's just like <laughs> staring <laughs> at this old man. It's Tom Hardy as Capone, <laughs> <laughs> but as a baby, as a looking baby. up at him. Uh, honestly, uh, can I just can I give another award? Yeah, sure. We've I want to give an award to. Uh, I want to give an award to Ivan Locke for for building the. Uh, what can only be described as the the biggest concrete pour in in Europe, other than military and nuclear bases. Oh yeah, that deserves recognition. His his, his whole like rant to Andrew Scott about being like, it's gonna, the sun will break its shadow, <laughs> like it will it will lay we'll steel apart for the sky. years. I, <laughs> That's what we're doing. Uh, like for. this guy. This guy is really into that building, man. Like, more so than his kids. Like, yeah, he feels like he was like, 
oh shit, I've got to leave work to go spend time with my kids, and then this shit happens. <laughs> it feels yeah. like he was like, oh, I've got to go watch some match with my kids. I, I really wish I was here to see my bastard the kids <laughs> in Europe outside of nuclear military. Yeah, he wanted to be there. He wanted to be there all damn night. He would have been there all damn mm-hmm. day. Ah, man. Uh, any other closing thoughts on, on, on Locke, a movie everyone's seen? Uh, it's a it's a good time. I, I would rate it 5 out of 5. No, no 4 out of 5. It it doesn't have that quite extra to like hit a 5 out of 5 for me. But it's it, it's mm-hmm. it's an enjoyable movie for it's like it's like uncut gems but less tense. Like sure. You, it's uncut gems but like you're 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 going to have less of just a rough time, I guess. Yeah, it's not it's just a constant anxiety attack. It's mm-hmm. like it's just tense. It's like awkward and you're like, "Oh, but it's 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 if you want to see some good acting and want to see Tom Hardy driving a car, go for mm-hmm. it." It's like one of those movies that like yeah, I I don't, I don't think you have like a, you have definitely have like a bank of where it's like a movie that they wouldn't really necessarily have thought of or seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still like an, an undoubted like they're going to have probably just have a good time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I remember, had, I had to say that a lot about Snowpiercer because no one in the UK had seen it because the the, the web that fuck up with the company and the rights meant it just wasn't released in the UK. Oh yeah, so it was just it was just weird, like big director, like big big actor names, cool sci fi movie that just no one had even heard of. Uh, and I feel like now it's not even not TV shows come out, people are, are watching it. I guess. Yeah, you're the only detective on this train. Because he's the only homicide detective on this train, so you can only. <laughs> and Ivan Locke is the only man that can sort that big concrete pour. And we haven't mentioned Elon Musk this episode yet. <sighs> you, we almost have broke the curse. I've got to do it. What What would Elon Musk do in this movie? Would he just like? What if this was for Tesla? What if this was the, the <laughs> SpaceX factory or some the, shit like the, that? The biggest lack of worker rights in Europe. <laughs> Elon Musk is Chicago. That's his code Wait, name. Wait, the con- the concrete pour is that fucking tunnel he's building under LA. Yeah, it's all the it's all the the bits from that tunnel that is getting poured into this building. I want to change my my performance to that random councilman that's at an Indian restaurant <laughs> that he has to call <laughs> and get like details from. And he says twice, he's like, "I'm at an Indian restaurant." Like it's like this is this big Saturday night. It felt like they called a real councilman. Yeah, I did feel like they were on set and they're like, let's just call this guy and just see if I can get him to do some shit. Just recorded it without him knowing. It's like, I'm at a fucking Indian restaurant, mate. This is like after work hours. It's like like under the skin, they just pull up and start asking people questions and see what happens. Just some Ouija asking you, oh, do you know the Asda? (laughs) Yeah, except Tom Hardy can pull up and I'm like, oh my god, it's fucking Venom. Venom, mate, I love you. What would Tom... What Tom is Bronson? Have <laughs> oh, you seen that 2008 Nicholas Wyndham film Bronson? Absolute classic. What is what's what is his biggest role? Is it is it is what is what's what is most recognized role be like Bane? Yeah, definitely. That's his like breakout role, and then probably Mad Max after that. True. We've got Mad Max. His breakout role. His breakout role was Inception. That was the mainstream yeah. thing. But he was like a supporting character there, like sleeping with Mad Max, and also he's going to be in a new. He's still going to be in the new Mad Max movie that is being made. Very exciting. 
Very exciting mm-hmm. times. George Miller going making... on the one. Two of those? They're, they're making a Mad Max and a Furiosa movie? Uh, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Um, I've got this Mad Max The Wasteland, which has been Ooh. announced. He's also going to be in, he's also in post-production of Let There Be Carnage, the new Venom movie, of course. Oh, yes. Um, Love it. But yeah, that, 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 I'm, I'm excited for that because, man, Fury Road is so good. <sighs> oh, it's so, I need to watch it again. I've seen it like seven times. It's, it's just, it's just, oh, it's just ridiculously good. It's ridiculously good. And I've, I've seen sorry, it less than I've seen this cats, episode, but, um, How many times have you seen Cats? Like eight to nine times. <laughs> what? Yeah. Do you just like get high and what and just put, put it on? When, it's just whenever I'm having a rough time, I sit down and watch Cats because it's like an, it's watching a nightmare. And if I'm watching a nightmare, I'm not having a nightmare. <laughs> That's like one of the most sad things I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. <laughs> also, I love showing it to people because it's it's a, it's a weird film. I've shown it That's to like true. three, so four you, people. You got to just put on Cats. I think me and me and Blair watched it, and I got it for like twenty minutes, and I was like. I get it. Like I, I get it. Like I don't need to watch anymore. You need to but watch all of it. That was before. That was before Dame Judy Dench and Ian fucking McKellen came on and, and licks milk up from a bowl, which I, I know happens, but I've yet I've unfortunately not seen. Did you see the James Corden champagne com shot? No. Doesn't 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 rebel wilson like zip off her cat skin in that movie oh yeah does does, does to like reveal like a human body no not a human body she rips she zips off her cat suit to reveal clothes that she's wearing on top of her fur <laughs> that is and she does this multiple times upsetting. in this movie as well she does it towards the end to escape from the 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 thing and it's weird the the phrase is all wrong. Cast of nine lives. They have cat. They have nine layers. Just like ogres. Just like ogres. <sighs> Thanks for listening to Chai Chai Bang Bang. Uh, make sure to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, which helps, and check out on all the other platforms on anchor.fm slash chatty bang. I've been Harry Mitchell. You can follow me at Harry is late. And I've been Dusty Smith. You can find me at Dusty AJ Smith on every platform follow me on twitch twitter and medium and stuff cool uh we have no idea what the next episode's gonna be and you will have to find out your pretty damn self mm. uh ka-chow ka-chow